It's nuttier than Nicolas Cage. It is. You can take it simply or you can really dive into it and look for all sorts of hidden meanings. It's really, it's so, so perfectly done. Their dedication borders on masochism. Okay, right there, that silence you hear is the moment of silence we're having for the Fright Club songs, which will be no more. We're going to have to announce here to the live crowd at Gateway Film Center. <laughs> we, were, we were advised that maybe if we want the podcast to be on the maximum amount, amount of outlets. some to say Spotify. If we want the podcast carried on Spotify. Some frown upon copyrighted music. Or so, won't play your podcast. So even though, as, as you know, our lawyers... Right, uh, said you can, <laughs> you can make a fair use argument. You know, we're like, you know what? We'll just we still have the the Fright Club hits uh, playlist on Spotify, but from from here on in, we're just gonna think about the songs that we would have used. <laughs> I guess. So anyway, welcome to it. It's the Fright Club podcast live from the Gateway Film Center, Columbus, Ohio. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, and we're from MadWolf.com. By the way, I don't know if we made the actual official announcement. MadWolf.com just added to Rotten Tomatoes. That's right. Panel. That's right. So, hey, tomato meter, bitches. Tomato meter. <laughs> that's right. So, yeah, you know what that means? What, Mandy that? is fresher. Mandy, that's right. We've got to talk about Mandy because it's coming out uh, this week. We just saw it. A lot of hype. It's crazy. It's batshit crazy. It's so crazy, as we were saying in Happy Hour, it makes Nicolas Cage seem not so crazy. No, it's exactly. It's nuttier than Nicolas Cage. It is. And it's not like he's a dialed-down performance. No. I mean, he's... It's, He's it, out there. Yeah, it's but out it's there. But more, it's farther out. We liked it a lot. Go see it if you can, yeah, yeah, and you should yeah. check out our review uh, on the website at manwolf.com. Also, one that we were talking earlier, also in Happy Hour, The Nun is out, getting so much hate on the internet, and we didn't think it deserves that much. It's Actually, not great. I just can't. I can't imagine that movie generating that much passion one way or the other. Yeah, it's just you it know. I mean, it was be, better though. than either Annabelle movies. It it looked great. It was just you know slight yeah. and whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Okay, so that's what's going on with the the latest horror movies out in theaters. We also have to welcome uh, Fright Clubber number one, John Dean is here, and it's his birthday. It's his birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> Spending his birthday with us, and if you don't know, you may not know, I work with his wife, Heather, and I apologize to her tonight for, you know, he's going to be here. She said, oh, no, thank you for taking him off my hands. So, <laughs> so <laughs> that's right. Congratulations, John. Happy birthday. Glad you're here. Um, one thing that we've been doing the last couple of weeks, right, we've been asking people since tonight's theme is scary fairy tale- yes. tales. So we asked people to take a fairy tale title and turn it into a scary movie, like, quickly. And, man, we got tons. We did it on Twitter, at Fright Club Pod. That's correct. And we got some great ones. So many that I have to read them, because I can't remember this many. Run through them real quickly. Okay. Wiener, the news girl, that was his. Daniel, he had many. Goldilocks and the Three Wares. Rumpelstiltskind. I like that one. That's good. Perky Sleaze. If you are touched by Midas, pray for death. <laughs> and then... Ghostville Hero had Warlock and the Three Bears, Three Little Squeal Like a Pigs. I like that That's one. good. <laughs> Steve had Alice in Hell. D-Zach had The Boy Who Cried Wolf Creek. Nice. That's good. Nice. D-Zach is here tonight. Very nice. Chad had Cinderella. Tommy and Tammy, they had a bunch, so we're going to run through these. Red Riding Blood, Snow White, and the Seven Dwarfs, Seven like the movie Seven. Exorcist Four: The Princess and the Pea Soup. <laughs> the Emperor's New Hatchet, Dr. Moreau and the Three Little Pigs, nice. and Jack and the Bean Stalker. Those nice. are good. 
And, and they're here tonight with their new grandchild oh right God. up here in front. Starting them early with the That's Fright right. Club. I love that. We I love him that. so much. And then Melissa, our senior feminist correspondent, uh, had Creeping Beauty and the Little Slash Girl. Silas had the Deadly Mermaid. Silas actually also gave us a short plot for all of his, which I thought was really <laughs> awesome. He had Sleepless Beauty, colon, Never Sleep Again. And then Nathan Andrew had dog, Donkey in Human Skin, and Pink Paradox had Little Dead Riding Hood. All right, those are great, all of them. So here are our top two, and we want you guys to vote for applause, vote by applause. Our favorites were Rumpelstiltskinned or The Boy Who Cried Wolf Creek. So okay. you do this a lot. You okay. do this. All right, so who likes Rumpelstiltskin best? Okay. How about The Boy Who Cried Wolf Creek? All right, I think DZAC has it. It always helps when you bring a cheering section with you to the theater. <laughs> but no, those are good. And thank you to everybody that, yes. that chimed in at Fright Club Pod on Twitter because that was a lot of fun. We'll have to think of a, a question for, uh, for next time and give away uh, another T-shirt. And by the way, speaking of next time, uh, next Fright Club Live going to be right back here October 10th. We are going to show... Because you love it so much, George Wolf, we are going to show Black Sheep. That's going to be fun. Yeah. And, and uh, we're going to do a podcast on mutant animals. Mutant animals, and we're going to try something new. If all goes well, we're going to try to Facebook it live while we do it. At least the podcast part yeah, of it. because the all rest right. of it would be copyrighted. Again, lawyers. <laughs> I don't do good with copyrights. So, yeah, mark that down. We'd love to see you back here. All right. A lot of housekeeping. Are we done? Are we through with all that? I think we are. As we get to fractured or scary fairy tales, what's the ground rules? What were the, the guidelines that you uh, set yourself to? So just really that, first I was looking at, because there are so many, I was looking at ones that were actually, they took a story like a, that you're all familiar with and changed it in one way or the other. Because it's a funny thing about fairy tales is that um, primarily the majority of what we consider fairy tales, they're, they were originally not meant for children, which is why they're so scary. They're from the oral tradition of people like adults entertaining themselves over the fire before the written word. And they were collected by people like the Brothers Grimm. And then, you know, sold to children, but in fact, that's not their primary audience, which is why you're just like, this is scary. Why tell me this story as a child? Well, you know, I don't think it, you can really diminish the impact that Disney had on that because Disney took those and so many Neutered? Of them, is that well, the word you're looking for? <laughs> you know, almost all of them, maybe all of them were public domain. So oh, Disney sure. came around, they yep. grabbed them, and they, then they copyrighted what they did. And then so that became just, oh, that's the treatment. That's the and that's what you're talking about. How it you is. water down a dark yep. story yep. and make it so Disneyfied. So I think that so Hans Christian Andersen actually penned his. He wrote his own, and they were just creepy on their own for no reason other than he seems like a creepy guy. And then what <laughs> what Disney did with his Little Mermaid just oh good lord yeah. Um, but then he did this one that horror film The Red Shoes is based on, which is I'd not was not familiar with this one. And this spoiled girl gets these like blessed shoes and then they will not stop dancing until she's dead she just dances until she's dead and it's the most <laughs> awful thing <laughs> it's like, he is he was a dark man dark he had man. some troubles who yeah. hurt you hans so we're so so we're looking past the uh the neutered versions toward right. the dark and scary fairy tales so uh you want to get rolling i do so All i'm right. starting with one that is a really really underseen i wanted to pick one that probably most people hadn't seen um and it is Kind of a straightforward reimagining of a fairy tale that you are familiar with. And this um, is at number five, and this is from 2007. After meeting a mysterious girl on a dark stretch of road, a young salesman is invited to a beautiful house with bizarre secrets and no way to escape. Hansel and Gretel. 
그러니까 죽어버려. 죽으란 말이야, 죽어! 시겨. 이 집엔 애들한테 뭔가가 있어요. One thing about this one, it certainly takes a dark, a dark twist to the story, but it's not. I think some people may not find it that straight up horrific of a horror film. Um, I suppose so. I mean, as you get further along, it's creepy. Yeah. And in this sort of you know nightmarish way, but as you get further along, I mean, there's some corpses pile up in this one. You <laughs> and know? it takes some twists. It does. It does. It takes. It's basically a story. You know, as fables will, you know, it's like a, you know, a story with a moral. It's a story about unwanted children um, is what it is sort of at its root. And and it also, uh, it, it, it sort of puts you in the mind of that Twilight Zone, the part in the film Twilight Zone where, uh, you know, the voice of Bart Simpson. Yeah, Nancy intro- Cartwright. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, and um, <laughs> Kevin McCarthy is in that one where the cartoons where they have to do everything that the little boy says. Right. Yeah, yeah, that one, yeah. Uh, that, you know, it's a little bit like that. But it looks really great, um, you know, as sort of those enchanted forest kind of movies go. It yes. really looks great. It does. And what happens inside the cabin or the cottage in the woods. I mean, a lot of times when you see a horror film and the idea is things are too good to be true, you really feel it in a way that's ugly. And this way, in this one, it takes a long time to get to that. You know, I mean, he feels he doesn't want to be there. The, the, the lead, his car, he, his car crashed. And he's just there because he can't figure out how to get out of there. But other than that, he doesn't seem to... Re- it seems like a great place. You know, I mean, it's just it's not super typical in the way it, it plays off this notion of being trapped with what amounts to evil children. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to do what they want or they're going to kill you, uh, which, is a, which is really, <laughs> you know, I mean, I think we all feel that way sometimes. <laughs> yeah, and no doubt it does. The production design on this one is, is great. It is. It really it looks fantastic. And that's our number five of... Fractured Scary Fairy Tales, the Korean version of Hansel and Gretel from 2007. Uh, moving up to number four, pretty famous. I think you all know it. A committed dancer wins the lead role in a production of Swan Lake, only to find herself struggling to maintain her sanity from 2010 Black Swan. Our new Swan Queen, the exquisite Nina Sayers. I'm Lily. You're going to be amazing. It's the role, isn't it? It's all this pressure. I knew it'd be too much. I knew it. What's she doing here? He made me your alternate. How do you know where I live? I have my ways. She's after me. Nobody's after you. Please believe me. Sweet girl. Sweet girl. What happened to my sweet girl? She's gone! Now, you were talking about uh, the red shoes just a little bit ago, and obviously that one comes into play a lot in this movie. It does, yeah. They talk a lot about, well, they talk a lot about the non-horror original version of the red shoes, which apparently yeah. every ballerina has watched a hundred times, except Mila Kunis' character, who couldn't give a shit, um, which is, I think, the first time you're like, I like Mila Kunis' character. <laughs> yeah, she's great in this, and of course, Natalie Portman won the Oscar for She this, did, so she did. She's fantastic. She is, and, and it's a, her performance is very creepy, first of all, right from the beginning of the trailer that like baby voice that she has uh, she seems so brittle and then the farther along the movie gets the more like her face hollows out which i mean our niece was a ballerina and so we were around these people and their their dedication borders on masochism yeah which i think you see in this film in a way that exploits the horror of it well it's funny that you mentioned her voice because that was one of the things as as natalie portman was transitioning from a child actress to to an adult 
she was really having trouble making her voice sound more adult. And in this movie, they actually wanted her to go back for the early scenes and make it sound more childlike, which is just the opposite of what she had been really taking voice lessons and working on to have to more of a, a, a mature voice. And it, it, it kind of caused her some, some anguish to, to do that. But it's part of her transformation as a character yeah. uh, to move from that real innocent, you know, very shy girl into the character that she becomes. And I think uh, aside from sort of the, the counterpart that is Mila Kunis' character, Barbara Hershey is amazing in this movie as the smothering. You just want to smack her face. Yeah. She's just this, this <laughs> smothering, overbearing mother who's yeah. living vicariously through her daughter because she had her chance and really wasn't talented enough to pull it off. And she's she's amazing. Well, not only in that, this movie. but there's that undercurrent of she may have abused her, too. There's that little bubbling undercurrent there yeah. that there could have been some stuff going on. And one of the many things I love about this movie, too, is the, the color contrast. Oh, it's yeah. all black, white. You know, as the characters change, somebody's wearing all white, she's wearing all white, then later she's wearing all black. And the color contrast throughout the movie is great. The whole movie, to me, is a counterpart, counterpoint to The Wrestler. Yeah. Because um, in both cases, right, it's, um, there's a shelf life to the individual who is putting themselves through a tremendous amount of physical damage for the entertainment and enjoyment and sort of um, spectacle of men for men to determine their value. And it's in, in this instance, in the, the instance of ballerinas and this particular ballerina, it's, it's, I'm not saying it's worse, it's not like things turned out that well for Mickey Rourke in that movie, but it's horror. It's horror in this particular case. And yeah. I think that it's really handled incredibly well. And yeah. I think so well that a lot of people mistook it and didn't realize until, again, the body count at the end that it, it is a horror film. I think that's right. And I think uh, Aronofsky did not run from that. He said that's what he was set out to make, a psychological horror film. And I think the marketing department maybe didn't get on board with that from the very beginning. And a lot of people, I think that's why a lot of people didn't realize that. That's, that's what it is. But it's done so well. I mean, he's such a good director. Black Swan from 2010, number four on our scary fairy tales list for this edition of Fright Club Live. Moving up to number three, which is one that this, always, this has been on a couple of countdowns, I think, that we, uh, we love this one so much from 2015. In Warsaw, a pair of mermaid sisters are adopted into a cabaret. When one seeks love with humans, the other hungers to dine on the human population of the city. It's the lure. This is another one that got a little bit of a misnomer, I think, from the outset, that everybody just kind of dubbed it the, the, the vampire mermaid movie, and they're not really vampires. No, no, they're not at all. But here's, here's one of my favorite things about this trailer, which, of course, if you're just listening to it and you can't see it, you don't see the subtitles that they're singing. <laughs> they're sirens, right? They're singing from the ocean, you know. Help me out of the ocean. Yeah. I won't eat you. I won't eat you. I won't. She just keeps saying, I won't eat you. Do that work? I mean, I know they're pretty and they're naked, but come on. If somebody keeps saying they're not going to eat you, they're probably going to eat you. Well, it worked here. <laughs> and this goes back to what you were talking about earlier with The Little Mermaid. Yes. Because this is, this is, this is the fractured fairy tale we're talking about for this movie. Oh, yeah. This is very, yeah. This is very definitely... The Little Mermaid in its own incredibly bizarre way. This is such a bizarre movie and in, in the best possible way. It's set in 1980s Warsaw. It's really about Poland sort of discovering itself. Um, and it's a musical. 
and there are killer mermaids, so the whole thing. Okay, well, that's all right. That's a pitch. It is. Um, <laughs> but I'm intrigued. Yeah, but but uh, you know, a little mermaid is really the story of a girl who gives away too much of herself for a boy who doesn't deserve it, and then she dies. <laughs> so right, I and mean, it's not it's not the Disney one. She dies. She turns into sea foam. I sobbed the first time I read this in the fourth grade. I sobbed. She's sea foam. <laughs> so this one is much closer to that. It's very dark. Um, but it, it works in a lot of other sort of um, seafaring tales about about sirens and about sea monsters. And, and it's really fun when it gets into that, but also in, in the sort of political way of, of Poland trying to figure out who they are and, and sort of, you know, whoring themselves out and becoming something they're not. That's really what it comes down to. I think that's the really underlying theme. But this fairy tale fits it so perfectly. And there's the, the contrast between the two sisters because the one sister tries to warn the other sister who's off chasing love that you sh- it's not going to end well. No. Yeah. You and- should just eat people. <laughs> That's right. And they have those, you know, those wonderful, those those tails were six feet long and weighed over 50 pounds. Wow. Uh, to put on the, on the, the costume. They looked like they smelled bad. They did look like they yeah, smelled, they really which is did. perfect. Yes. Which is perfect. They, for, they and, ought to. You know, and when they go to the, to the cabaret and they launch into these numbers, it's like, it's like Abba song. <laughs> There's just like pixie dust everywhere, and everybody's happy and running around. And then we go back to the the eating of the people and the, and, <laughs> and the mermaid. So it is. It's a crazy ass movie. Yeah, it is. But, it uh, is definitely unlike any other movie. But it's also fun because most of the fairy tales that we're familiar with are Eastern European in in origin. So it's great to see, you know, not just an Americanized version, but an Eastern European version. And uh, uh, and there are a couple of others that I really like that are from Eastern Europe. One is Dale, and then other little Otik. So those are both super weird, really worth checking out Eastern European versions of their own fairy tales. Yes, and that is number three on our list of Fractured Fairy Tales, the lure. Moving up to number two, and it is the one we're going to see tonight. A wolf drives through the woods around an isolated German village. Jacob, the young local police officer, is on to him, but sense something more in the darkness. From 2014, Dare Samurai. Okay, we've slipped away, as we like to do, so we can talk about tonight's movie, Dare Samurai. We learned how to pronounce it right. That's right. Which is a good thing. We've learned something this week, and we tried to. <laughs> yeah, this one, for people that has have seen it, obviously, you're talking about fairy tales. For this one, you're talking about the big bad wolf. Yes, which is, uh, first of all, very appropriate because it's a German film. Yeah. Um, but also, it incredibly common as far as fairy tale figures that make their way into horror films. So many that really, I just wanted to narrow it down to one and we went with this one, but you've got one that we've shown before that we love big bad wolves. Yeah. Uh, which is, it's got definitely visually some fairy tale elements to it. Although it's the least that actually tells a fairy tale type story, but also of course, uh, the company of wolves, yeah. you know, Jordan's 1984 movie, which like is that one very much. the red riding hood story. Yeah. And, of course, there are a ton of Red Riding Hood-type films that are just werewolf movies. I mean, it just really lends itself. There was one, Dead Time Stories, which we talked about uh, with Jeff Frummis on our, our anthologies episode oh, that's right. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And every yeah. single one of those shorts was some sort of a reworked fairy tale, including uh, one about the Big Bad Wolf. So it's, um, and it, it's, unsurprisingly, right, that's the main 
villains. So you've always got your wicked witches, you know, or your mm-hmm. evil stepmother or whatever. But the big bad wolf, especially in German fairy tales, is your most common villain. So it makes sense that it transcends nicely into horror. Yeah. And this one, as far as the movie goes, it's a it's a mover. It's it always is. about 80 some yeah, minutes. It's, it's it, pretty it, quick. It, it does. It moves. And it's just, well, there's just metaphors all over the yes, place. Yes, very much. Um, that are, it's, and the biggest one, <laughs> I don't want to give away too much here, but uh, the, the samurai is yeah. a sword-wielding samurai. Yes. And in case you didn't get the sword metaphor early on, they really drive it home <laughs> they at the end. do. Very they much do. so. As the film becomes, well, you've got the young policeman who ends up stalking, trying to catch this this samurai uh, on the loose with mayhem. And some sometimes the, the bloodshed is very artfully staged. Yes. A couple of the scenes there made me think a little bit of the original Let the Right One In. Mm-hmm. Not as beautifully staged, no, but no. a little bit reminiscent yeah, there. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, um, and so as it... As the the two characters, the samurai and the young policeman, get closer and closer and closer, you know, the the metaphor of coming to terms with who you are becomes a little bit more clear. You know, and and at that point, it's clear that the character of the samurai is more or less the figure of, of Jacob's id. Jacob, I'm sorry, yeah, Jacob, Jacob is, is the, the young police policeman, officer, yeah. Who is very unimpressive. I mean, he's a sweet person, and nobody is intimidated by him in the town. Right. And, and the, and the, he the makes local... miniatures of the town. I mean, it, it, there's... Right, there's, which there... also made me think of, of course, hereditary. hereditary. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of it just sort of speaks of, of, of repression. Yeah, because um, he's already being... He's teased uh, mm-hmm. by some of the local mm-hmm. kids. Well, the kids, they're in their 20s, but... Uh, about maybe his tendencies, you know, they make some jokes. So you get the feeling that he's had this for a while. Right. He's grown up with this. Uh, and then there's the scene where he maybe imagines himself making out with a girl that he that he meets along mm-hmm. the way, mm-hmm. but it doesn't happen. So yeah, yeah he's not very bold. He's not as bold. The samurai actually points out to him at one point. Right. But there's the metaphor of being afraid to let out yeah. what's what's in you. Yes. Um. So yeah, the metaphors are rampant. Yes. Here. And also, again, we just keep saying it, uh, uh, Pitt Bukowski as the samurai just cuts such a fascinating, lunatic figure. He does. And, and uh, he's, he's absolutely perfect in this role. He is. And just in case you don't get enough, stick around because there is a shot after the credits that just one more, one more shot of Pitt Bukowski <laughs> in case you needed one <laughs> with that maniacal grin on his face. But yeah, but he drives it home. So it's, yeah, it's a quick, it's a quick read. It's quick viewing. Um, and there is definitely some artful bloodshed. Yeah, it looks great. It's a little bit dreamy. It's fun, you know, and uh, and very interesting, thought provoking. More so, to be honest with you, than I realized. Yeah. More thought provoking than I realized. That yeah, definitely. Little, yeah, definitely. So, and I think there are more than a few people here tonight that haven't seen it. Right. Only talked to a couple of people in happy hour uh, that did see it. So we'll we'll ask for a, a definite head count or a showing of hands here in a second when we get back in there. But I think there's a, a bunch, and we always like that. Oh, yeah, that's one of my favorite things. That's what you try to do, really. That's exactly right. Yeah, so it's good stuff. Good house tonight, and I look forward to seeing it. So let's get back in there and run Dare Samurai. This is the one we're going to see tonight, so obviously we don't want to say really much anything about it. How many people have seen it? 
Oh, just a couple. Wow. We love that. That's great. So, yeah, we don't want to spoil anything. No, right? we just want to say, I think you're going to love Pit Bukowski as much as I do. Because he's basically, as you can see for just a second, he's like a cross between Iggy Pop and Ted Levine. Yes, please. <laughs> Plus, his name is Pit Bukowski. I know. It's like he's a perfect man. <laughs> you made that up for the movie. So, Dare Samurai, we'll see that soon. And that takes us up to number one from 2006. It tops our list of fractured fairy tales. In Spain of 1944, the bookish young stepdaughter of a sadistic army officer escapes into an eerie but captivating fantasy world, Pan's Labyrinth. There will be a journey that will make you believe. In darkness, there can be light. In misery... There can be beauty. In death, there can be life. Pan's Labyrinth. This one's such an incredible film by Del Toro. Probably both of our favorite movies. Uh, this is our favorite movie of Del Toro's. Isn't oh it? yeah, easily. Yeah. I th- yeah. this is a perfect film. It's so fantastic. Not only the way it looks. It's got so many themes going on at the same time and how he treats them all in such a, a fantasy world. And you can, take, you can take it simply or you can really dive into it and look for all sorts of hidden meanings. It's really, it's so, so perfectly done. It is. And it's, and it's obviously, it's, it's utterly glorious to look at. And, it, you know, and it, the story is just heartbreaking. This perfect story about a little girl who desperately needs to escape from the horror of her war-torn life. And then the the vivid imagination, you know, that spawns a story. Or maybe it really happened. Maybe there really is this fawn and everything, you know. And the way he balances that, which is something that very few filmmakers do as well as he does, balances the idea that maybe this is all her imagination or maybe no, maybe Mm -hmm. this is the reality. I mean, I, I, you know, I can name probably 30 movies that, that make an attempt. I can name none that come within, you know. 50 miles of doing it as well as, as this movie does. And, and I think everybody loves Doug Jones, right? The pale man and the fawn. And he's also, (laughs) of course the creature, but it's Sergi Lopez who plays her stepfather in this movie, who is magnificent in everything I've ever seen him in. And I've seen him in three different languages, right? Yes. English, French, and Spanish language. He's always creepy. He's always amazing. And I'd love to see him in another 30 films. He's great in this movie. Doug Jones was the creature in The Shape of Water. Shape of Water. He was also in Hellboy. Yeah, well, he's so, always, yeah, yeah. he's... so Del Toro's. Yes. Plus, you checked him out on IMDb. You said his credits are like 200 or something. Yes, he's got a lot of credits. And usually the roles are like weird tall clown, you know, <laughs> creepy slender man. So he he's gets got a, a lot niche, of... He's man, got a niche, but man, he fills it. <laughs> no, but you're right. The way... This is a movie that can just be dissected. I mean, you could take it scene by scene, and you can find out the things you talked about, how it all of a sudden it, it makes the the narrator's point of view a little bit untrustworthy. Right. Like, oh, right. could this really be happening? And you go back and trace it, or the beginning of the scene, you can find out, okay, he, he finds a way to put that doubt in your mind. Right. At, at, before it even starts. And, the, I mean, the story, uh, Princess the Moana story, is, is, is not an existing fairy tale. It's a fairy tale that, that uh, Del Toro wrote uh, to base the rest of the film around. And there are other really good films that do something similar, like Suspiria, for example. You know, it reminds you of, of fairy tales, but it's not, it's not a, a reimagining of an existing fairy tale. And it's gorgeous to look at. I'm not, I mean, Suspiria is a great film. But, but again, no matter how close something else is to this, there's just, 
there's really nothing, there's really nothing that can come close to this movie visually or in the writing, in the imagination, in the performances. It's just, it's an absolutely magnificent film. It really is. It's, it's a fully realized vision by Del Toro. It won Oscars for cinematography, art direction, and makeup. It was nominated for a screenplay, score, and foreign, foreign language, language film. And I cannot believe it did not win foreign language film. I can't either. What won that year? Um, wow. Secrets of Others. Oh, The Lives of Others, yeah. Well, that was good. It's not as good. <laughs> it is a great one in, in, in all ways. Pan's Labyrinth from 2006. Number one on our Fractured and Scary Fairy Tales countdown. And we got to get out of here because we have to see Dare Samurai. That's right. Coming up here in just a few minutes. We know but, how to pronounce it now because birthday boy John, who is also our senior German correspondent, corrected us. Because he knows, he tells me, I know how to pronounce the in German. So. <laughs> so you got that going for you. Well, thank you so much for coming out. Keep in mind, next uh, next month's edition is October 10th, as we said. We'll be back here showing Black Sheep and hopefully Facebook Live in the thing. So if you've never managed to you guys, get here. The, like Max Cady scene in the in uh, Cape, Cape Fear where he's just, <laughs> that's going to be George next month. <laughs> watching the black sheep because that's what I did when we watched it. He's a big it cigar home. in his mouth <laughs> through the whole movie. <laughs> so we hope to see you back here or check it out on Facebook Live if you can't make it. Uh, and also, we'll give another plug. Speaking of October, here at the Gateway Nightmares Film Festival, come, come to coming it. Coming up, October eighteenth to the twenty-first. It is going to be fantastic. We don't just say that because we're on the jury panel. No, that's not why. We're not biased at all. Going to be some great films. Love to. Meet you, and there's a great horror community taking place always at the Gateway, but especially around that film festival, Nightmares. You can check it out uh, all over social media or the interwebs if you need any info. Um, all right, I think that does it. Does it not? I believe it does. All right, we're going to see Dare Samurai. D Zach, get your t shirt. You, you had a great entry. Thank, congratulations for winning. We'll get you a t shirt. <laughs> Anybody that doesn't have the a meat fr- toxins will be so mad. <laughs> well, you're the worst. He'll tweet. He'll just tweet. <laughs> You are the worst. Um, if you don't have a Fright Club button, we got plenty. We'll You're my get you worstie. On after the uh, after the movie. So thanks so much for coming out. Uh, this podcast will be done here in just a few days. Should be up on Monday. On Monday. Uh, MadWolf.com and all the usual places that you get um, a podcast. Including even more, Spotify. Even more now that there's no music. I'm That's not right. bitter about that at all. It was fun while it lasted. All right. <laughs> Until next time, she's Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Fright Club podcast. Stay